0: What you have with it, stuck up, scruffy looking nerf herder!
1: Hello, welcome to the Weekly Song Podcast. I kind of screwed up the intro there, but we'll leave that as it is. Um, my name is Roger Heathers, and you're listening to episode 21 of the podcast. And with me, as always, is my co host, Declan Kitchener. Hello. Hello, Declan. How are you doing this week? Fine. Yes? and uh we we were <laughs> we were expecting a guest this week but unfortunately our, our guest Matt Partridge from Majaro um is was unavailable this week but who will be back on when
2: declan uh
3: we've rearranged it with him so he's now coming in on the 18th to record uh so he'll be on the episode the Wednesday following that and then next week we've got Sam in as well so that's good
1: that's right so we've got a couple of guests coming up to you guys um, for any of the uh, new listeners who might have found us through the iTunes store, because we're now on the podcast store and everything like that. we
3: for iTunes. Yeah. Um,
1: if you found us through that or if you're a first-time listener, we have a premise to the show, which is basically we give ourselves each seven days to write um, our respective songs. We don't get to hear each other's songs. We bring them to the podcast. We discuss them. We talk about the songwriting craft and chords and lyrics and all that good stuff. And then we get to play each other our songs and then take them apart and, and discuss them. And also, we take it in turns of who goes first each week. Last week I went first, so this week. It's
3: my go. <laughs> right, so this is my song this week. Uh, it, I'll talk about it afterwards. It's called Life on Hold.
1: Oh awesome. God, yeah, that, was, that left hand must be aching. Oh,
0: yeah.
3: Um for anyone who probably couldn't hear on the recording, um throughout all of the verses on that my left hand was just uh pedaling octaves, so it's just going. Which is something that I've heard on a couple of songs that I've liked in the past. Sorry, I've just kicked the microphone there like a 1985 by Wings um, or a Trampon Underfoot by Led Zeppelin and there's a variant used of it in Survival by Muse no, it's not like that So i always knew i wanted to do something with that one day so i thought might as well use it here yeah um uh the i had a bit of an odd week for writing like i told you earlier in the week roger that i came up with three des- uh, disparate riffs i came up with two cork sequences and like three sets of words and none of them <laughs> fitted together so yeah. it's like The opposite of having writer's block. It's like having so many random ideas. It's like, how do these all fit together? Um, That you said just go with the one that's strongest and it ended up being this one here. the
1: That one. Which is a strong one. I like that a lot. That's a nice nice riff.
3: Yeah. Originally, like, um, that... Second chord in that bit, the progression is a fourth chord. Originally, it was a minor fourth chord, which is nice, but I like the difference of the major fourth.
1: The major fourth makes it feel right, I think.
3: Yeah, like because you've already had the minor fourth in it. A... You can tell how bored I am playing the progression, it just speeds up. <laughs> yeah. Um, the chorus. Changed a lot. Like originally, it was just another one of my six, four, and five chord sequences. But I got bored with that. Yeah. So I tried to work in semitonal movement again, and I nearly succeeded. Uh, starting on A, going up to F sharp major over A, B flat in the bass to a B minor. Uh, to a D7 and then here's where I failed I went to a G so you're skipping a tone and going from C to D so the progression is
1: it's it's, a really lovely bit
3: yeah like um, I did like having that for ages I couldn't think of what chords come after the B uh, minor and I tried everything I was Ended up just playing one day, just going. Ooh, that's nice. Yeah, yeah, so a, nice, a nice seventh chord in there uh, to resolve to your fourth.
1: It's really cool. I like when it, because obviously it's got that fast pace, like tense feel ding, 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 with the octaves. All of a sudden it has that burst through effect where it kind of slows down a little bit and starts to build in terms of. Uh, pitch yeah and it reaches a pitch and uh so it's a, that's a nice little technique and those chords are lovely that, that rise and i could kind of i was going like i oh, was using semi-tonal movement and i was like oh no he's not because i knew there was some change there where we had that seventh in, yeah and there was something going on there and uh and that's nice but i'll tell you one thing that got me is you told me via text that you had um and, and in person you told me you had the music for for your song but you were like you didn't have all the lyrics yet you didn't have lyrics To me, hearing this now, it sounds like you wrote them together because they sound in sync. It's not like a lyric was written after. It doesn't feel like that.
3: Well, I had the um, vocal melody, but I didn't have the words. The words kind of came about um, because it's going to show you how sad Roger and I am. Over the course of the week, we had one text conversation where it was basically like nothing set in stone yet. And I just said, apart from stone tablets, but apart from that, nothing. And you just said, oh, apart from statues as well. But nothing beyond that. Maybe Mount, Mush- Mush- uh, Mount Rushmore, but beyond that, absolutely <laughs> nothing is set in stone. <laughs> so that's where that, um, it's easier on your own, I'll set this down in stone, came from that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, right. And then, uh, and though it isn't true, uh, it looks that way to you. Yeah. Uh, that's where that came from. Then I just started pulling in bits from everywhere. Yeah. Uh, of thoughts and emotions and feelings that I have. So it's not a song that's really about anything. (laughs) It's just like, it seems like it's about something, but it's got loads of disparate things being pulled into
1: there. You've been spending too much time with me. Yeah. That's what happens with my songwriting. It just goes all over the place. But haven't you been meaning to write this song for a while, this title at least?
3: Uh, Yes. Uh, Life on Hold is one of those little notes um, I've had in my phone for absolutely ages and I think I have tried to use it in a lyric before, not on a weekly song but on one of my own that I instantly scrapped Um, but yeah it's just one of these things, I originally envisioned it being like um, a chorus line but I did like it just
1: there Mm. Um, somewhere in the song Yeah, it's one of my favourite things in in songs when the song is named not after the huge chorus tag, but just one of the little lyrics on the song. I like that. Yeah. That's a nice touch for a, for a song title, I think. Yeah. Um, I reckon this song has quite an Abba feel, and I think it's quite a lot to do with that octave part on the verse. It's kind of,
3: yeah, like when I was playing it, like what I'm instantly thinking is... Uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, God, the copyright police are going to come down on us hard on this one. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I didn't get that so much until I just started playing little bits of it uh, this morning to practice. Like, oh, yeah, I see where you're coming from with that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Another thing is um, I can kind of hear when you're hearing uh, orchestration in your head. Like, you know, when you got the bit where it breaks down to you're just hitting like crotchets. On chords Oh what the Should I build a neon sign
3: I can't play my own song
1: <laughs> Well I kind of heard uh, I imagined you thinking Like big stabs On yeah. that part
3: But well, what I was thinking was actually um, John Grant
1: Queen of Denmark
3: Queen of Denmark yeah, yeah, like yeah. Um, Where he does a... Oh what's the chord somebody else the whole band is just like hitting on those crotchets that's what was going through my head I
1: thought that might have been something to do with that I can always kind of hear when you're imagining a rock band around you sort of thing I'm you know? always
3: imagining a rock <laughs> band around me
1: <laughs> they'll be there one day one day One day. One day. One day. oh god <laughs> and uh, the other, only other thing I thought with this song is and this is like a really uh, a real stretch of a reference but uh, it's the second mention of a neon sign in weekly songs. Because I have one in Clover and you have one in this song.
3: Oh yeah, I was thinking like, neon sign. I've heard that in a song somewhere <laughs> before, but I couldn't quite place it. You've just like clicked it in my brain. Yeah, yeah. Um, this
1: broken neon sign. I was like, when I was listening out, I was like, Because oh. it's such an unusual thing. It's such an unusual phrase to put in a song. I was like, it always pricks my ears up when I hear like those. Um... But I like the way you use it, like. I'm not doing this verbatim, but, like, um, put it up on a big neon sign or something like that.
3: Yeah, should I wave in semaphore is probably one of the weirdest lyrics I've written.
1: Yeah, I, I noticed you kind of, like, uh, when you sang that one. Why yeah. was that? Uh,
3: just because I... It's a, it's a bit of a weird one to put in there at that point.
1: It fits, though. It fits. Yeah. What is a semaphore?
3: Semaphore, it's semaphore. like um, uh, what the Beatles are doing on the front of the help cover, is there waving in semaphore.
1: Is that a means of communication?
3: Yes, it is, yeah.
1: So that's literally like a, sort of like a sign language type of physical yeah. language.
3: Yes, yeah. Right, okay. Like, um, like they were meant to be, spe- interesting story, they were meant to be spelling out help, but the person who was uh, photographing the cover didn't like it. So they spell out, I think, NJ... VK or something. Right. Something like that. Which everyone for years thought was like new John vocalist killed or something. Like all feeding into the Paul is dead kind of thing. I
1: thought it was going to be something like that. I've read the the theories before. Yeah. That is a weird theory, isn't
3: it? It is, yeah. Like all based on things like oh, Paul's standing the other way around on the back of the Sergeant Pepper's cover and like the hand above his head and everything in every... Yeah. Which is kind of nonsense.
1: And uh, the way he has um, bare feet on the front of Abbey Road, uh, that's in some other cultures, that's like the walk of the dead or something like that.
3: Yeah, like everyone says Paul is a corpse, George is the gravedigger, John is a priest, uh, no it's Ringo is a priest and John is uh, presumably God because he's in a white outfit.
1: I need to get myself a white suit one of these days.
3: Yeah, and just walk across Abbey Road and get me barefoot behind you (laughs) so you can say you killed me.
1: (laughs) A la George Martin... Elliot Smith at the uh, that movie awards he played. There's nothing better than a white suit. <laughs> You've got to have a white suit in your wardrobe.
3: I do want one someday. Although, interesting fact about the Abbey Road cover. Sorry, we stopped talking about songs now. We're just talking about the Beatles. This People like it happens. when
1: we digress.
3: Yeah. But um, did you know that... Uh, you know when uh, it was illegal to show cigarettes and everything in recorded media in Britain? Yes. Well, they had to airbrush out Paul's cigarette on um, Abbey Road.
2: Yes,
1: that's
3: right, isn't it? yeah. And they've changed the law on that now, so now the cigarette is back. But between a certain period, you couldn't buy Abbey Road, or you couldn't buy Abbey Road new, mm. with Paul's cigarette in his
1: hand. So the ones sans cigarette are probably more valuable now? Uh, or at least collectible?
3: They're collectible. I wouldn't say they're more valuable. But the most valuable ones would be, like, an original pressing from 1969.
1: Well, of course. Yeah. But I, I like that, the um, the whole... There are other things like that, like, there's a Sufjan Stevens album called, um... Michigan. It nearly eluded me then. And, um, on the front cover, um, similarly, on the original pressing, there was, um, there was Superman flying over the, um... No, it's called Illinois, it's not called Michigan, Michigan's one of the songs, called Illinois, and Superman's flying over the city skyline, and, like, the copyright people came to him and said, like, you can't do that, you can't have it on on the cover, but some of the original vinyl pressings have Superman. The later ones... Have balloons painted over him in the sky. And so, but you can kind of still see Superman through the painted on balloons. And uh, so, that's, that's similar too. But. That's kind
3: of cool. It's like um, what you were saying about the Green Day uh, record, which has, is it Elmo on the back?
1: Oh, yeah, it is like that. No, or, do, do, you, or,
3: Ernie or something. Um, like that.
1: It's got Elmo on the back and it's um, Dookie. Yeah. I remember you and I were, were once talking. I was like, oh, yeah, it's really funny on the back of this Dookie album there's Elmo. And then we pulled it up on images and it was like, no, there's not. What are you talking about? And then I was like, look, I'm sure I didn't imagine this. And then we had to, like, we through the internet a little bit and we finally found it. And then we found, like, the copyright case of, like, you can't have Elmo on the back. Yeah. But they photoshopped it really well to remove him. Yeah. Because he's on someone's done. hand. He's like a sock puppet on someone's hand. He's, like, right in the middle of the picture. Yeah,
3: so they would need to photoshop photoshopped someone's hand and match the grain of the film and everything.
1: Yeah, so they did a good job on that.
3: Yeah, it's kind of... You know what one I'd love to find is... You know the um, Yesterday and Today uh, collection for the Beatles in America? Yeah. You obviously know about the cover on that one.
1: Obviously not.
3: The butcher cover.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, in the white and they, coats and stuff.
3: Yeah, and they paste... The original ones had already been sent to press, so they pasted over and stuck something new on there. Oh, Like right. the new image before they could change the production over. So if you peeled it off, you could still find the butcher oh, wow. cover. I'd love to see that. Me too. Just, not not to play it or anything, because like um, it's not part of the Beatles' core catalog these days. But just to have that cover and put it on the wall somewhere.
1: Definitely, yeah. Uh, like half peeled, reminds me of another one. Um, this is going. This is our discussion topic, pretty much. Yeah. Um, album
3: covers. Uh, reminds
1: me of this. Um, this album by um, a producer called Madlib, who uh, famously worked with MF Doom on a um on a seminal hip hop album called Mad Villainy. Mad Lib did his own side project called Quasimodo, where he um, took a load of mushrooms and, and LSD and made this album over two weeks in Los Angeles. Um, his third collection was called Yes Sir Whatever, and um, I've just brought up another one in my mind, but I'll get to that in a sec. And uh, on the cover you got got, um, it's like a white cover with like a picture of Quasimodo who's like a... Um, it's not Quasimoto, it's Quasimodo, it's spelled differently, and it's like this kind of like yellow cartoon pig-headed figure it's like a really weird figure and on this cover on the vinyl and the cd you can peel off quasimodo and underneath you see his guts and innards but it's one of those choices like if you have the album do you leave it mint or do you peel it and get to see the guts
3: it's kind of odd when that sort of thing happens on records like like uh, you used to hear about it all the time in the vinyl days like that rolling stones one where you can like zip up and down the trousers and everything or like uh the Led Zeppelin uh, one, yeah. on Led Zeppelin 3, where you can spin round the spinner, Yeah. which they now reproduce in um, the new CD remasters, but it's not quite as cool, because it's a bit smaller.
1: On vinyl, it's always better, that stuff.
3: Yeah, cover art was made for vinyl. Or on, like, In Through the Outdoor, like The Eternal Dilemma, do you keep it in the brown paper bag, or do you actually have the proper cover of the album?
1: Yeah, it depends if you're a, what do you call it, like a, not perfectionist, but an, you know a proper collector type
3: yeah. I would just throw away the paper bag. I'm probably going to get... Throw it away? At least put it on the wall. It's a brown paper bag. What am I going to do with it? <laughs>
1: Does it have any, like, writing or anything on it?
3: I think it may have, like, a printed, like, Led Zeppelin in through the outdoor. Right. On it, I think that's
1: about bad. it. See, for me, I'd probably frame something like that. <laughs> that's kind of cool. It reminds me of the last one I could think of is... um. It's not like a misprint or anything like that, or like a copyright thing, but Kanye West's uh, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy, it comes with like an open square on the front of the vinyl, um, that's just like uh, the cardboard, and then you've got a gap. And then you can choose which artwork you put into the little square, you get like four cut-out plates, and then you go like, I'll have this one, and then every time I listen to it, I put in a different one, so you have a different cover each time. That's pretty so. cool. Yeah, shows how uh, lame I am That's <laughs> time I do it, I put in a different
3: one well, That's pretty cool I think there is another Is there? Is it Kanye who does Um, There's an album on CD Where literally it's just sold As like a blank silver CD In a blank case Yeah And it has to have a sticker on the front Saying this is Kanye West
1: It's just like an orange piece of thing That just says Yeezus on it A piece of tape That's it
3: Yeah I hate that CD I not, not Not
1: for <laughs> Not like any, for any of the
3: musical content Just because you just look at it and you think, "Oh yeah, that's just a block of CD. I can throw that one away."
1: No, wait, no wait. It's actually Kanye West. That's a very Kanye thing to do, and I'm. For, loads of rappers do it Kanye. though. I've seen quite a
3: few rappers do what, that like one. like blank case? Yeah, the blank case thing. Hmm. Maybe not a blank CD, but a blank case.
1: Blank case. Yeah, I've seen it before. Actually done too. Um, Most def did it on like this album that you can't get anywhere, which I really want to hear, which I've never heard. Can't remember the name of it. And um, somebody on a on a Kanye forum once said. Um, Like, I want to get this album on vinyl, but it's not out on vinyl yet. And people were, like, imagining what it might look like. And they were doing, like, clear vinyl sleeves with, like, the orange across. And on vinyl, it looks kind of cool because it would be, like, a clear record. So it would be kind of like a... That would be a nice package as opposed to, like, quite uh, obtuse.
3: Yeah, it looked... You know, I get what he was going for, but it does look cheap. And yeah. the thing is, like, if you've got multiple people doing that, there's very little way to tell them apart, so you often end up putting them in the wrong section. Then your boss shouts at you and you get fired, and you then have to explain to your family why you can't bring money into the table anymore.
0: <laughs> Enjoy the whimsy! Enjoy the whimsy! <laughs> uh,
1: well, you know what? That sounded like a natural conversation, because it was. I forgot yes. the microphones were on, and that's probably the best type of conversation we could probably have.
3: Indeed. Thank you for ruining the illusion that we're there with them in their heads. Well, you know... You've now mentioned the microphone process and now that their suspension of disbelief is absolutely shattered.
1: Someone's on a treadmill, someone's driving in their car, someone's walking, somebody's having a bath.
3: How many people do you think are listening to us?
1: (laughs) It's usually at least
3: 15. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, we can come up with 15 different scenarios. At least one of them will be right.
1: I reckon at least one person's naked listening to this. Yeah. I listen to a lot of podcasts naked.
3: Is that something you want to broadcast to the world? That's
1: something I want to make the title.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you listen to this podcast, Naked? And give us a five-star review if you enjoyed it. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Hashtag Naked.
3: Especially you, Gary.
1: Yeah,
3: Gary. I realise that won't have worked on most people, but if there is one person called Gary listening to this, he will have just been freaked out.
1: Yes, exactly. I like the idea of, like, um, uh, going, like... A you with the crumb on your upper lip, called Stephen, and you go huh? <laughs> like yeah, that just one person, one person
3: in the entire world <laughs> listening to this.
1: And then they think that they live in the Matrix and they're being surveyed the entire time. <laughs> oh
3: dear.
1: Um, shall we swap?
3: Yes. So I believe it's now your turn to play piano.
1: Oh God. So my song this week is on piano. And, um, I think this is the first
3: time we've both composed on piano in the week. Or, like, yeah. performed on piano.
1: And it's um, it's taken 21 episodes to get to this point. Not that all of those episodes are, like, songwriting episodes, but the majority are. Yeah. So the fact that it hasn't happened up until now is really strange. Um, this song doesn't have a title, so its title is Untitled Number 3.
3: Another one in the Untitled series... You can hear Untitled Number One on Winter Tape 5, and you can hear Untitled Number Two on Weekly Songs 15 to 28. Eight.
1: That's it. Right, I'm gonna take the headphones off of this one. And you can hear
3: Untitled Number Three now.
1: <laughs> okay, so this is Untitled Number Three. Thank you. It's a bit, I don't know, it's a bit disparate. It's got like parts where it really slows down and picks up in a different place. Um, But I'm letting that be for this time, so. Yeah, I was going to say, you were very jazzy on the beginning of that one. Yeah, that was the first thing that came, that chord progression, and I was just playing piano in the kitchen, and uh, it's in B major, and I was just playing these chords, and it just... I just got this progression that was just, like, really pleased with it. Like
3: well, if you walked into a jazz club and you heard that, you would not be disappointed.
1: You would sit down, I suppose. You would it's...
3: sit down and order several whiskeys.
1: Yeah, that's exactly... Several whiskeys, please! <laughs> All at once. <laughs> um, yeah, and that was the first thing that came from the song. And, uh... As you can imagine with a song like this that starts in uh, B major and ends in a different key, which is C major, um, it was kind of written in, like, a couple of sittings. Yeah. Um, I got up to about um, the what I call the chorus, which is... One less and line. That bit. Yeah. Um, and then I kind of left it there and went away from it, and then I came back, and I was like, I want a, chord, a key change, because not only will it allow me to write in a different mood, but also I'll be playing in C major, which is infinitely easier than B major to play in. Um, so, uh, and then, so I came back to, to the song, and I wrote in C major. So all of the C major sections, which is, for, for anyone listening, uh, is the kind of Up
2: and down the country,
1: that bit. Up and down, up and down the country, spangled girls and half ass washers that bit, everything from then on is written from, like, a really positive, like, point of view and feeling, and the beginning of the song's from, like, a really, like, not really, but, like, a kind of... A slightly more downbeat. Like, a negative place. Um, So, like your song, like you said about your song this week, it's written, like, it's not about one particular thing, it's kind of, like, everything thrown in, but the only narrative I can find from this is what I was feeling at the time, which maybe translates... The beginning of the song is, like... It just comes from working with people and being social with people who you don't necessarily, like, spend a lot of time with. And, like, they find socialising and being confident at work and everything so naturally easy, yeah. you know? And and then just me to writing from coming to a place of, like, how do you find this so easy? This is not easy. Like, right. I'm struggling just to do this well type of thing. So that's what it what it comes from. And so... Like, that's the first lyric that came to me. You would have thought by all these laughter lines I have on my face that I'd be really enjoying this and, like, having a great time, but actually, like, I'm leaving. That's a great opening line. Um, thank you. And um, and then I wanted, like, this picture of um, of this uh, this really confident guy who I, I call the missioner, uh, who's, like... I kind of picked it, like, an army general who's, like, you know, uh, this totemic figure of, like, masculinity and, like, confidence... And he takes this girl to this balcony while the Gomer, who is me, and a, r- drives away from the situation. And a Gomer is um, just somebody in a in a kind of like rookie position in the army who's like really inept and. So it's like below private almost. Y- well, not exactly like a rank, but just like anyone who's like in a lower position who's like really incompetent and, like, isn't very good at what they're doing, that's a GOMO. And it's not just in the army, it's, like, a general opposition of, like, that guy's such a gomer, you know? And I didn't know the word before, but I looked it up. And so the GOMO drives away. And then, um... I couldn't... I couldn't even fake it for, for their holiday, which is, like, because I work on a holiday park. And, like, I can't even fake that happy confidence for people's holidays that they're paying to come down and spend some time, like, I can't even do that. Um, but then what I'm trying to say here is like the song gets to a point where by the end it's like, it's almost like arrogant. It's like, you'll get to a point where you'll rise above those people and they'll seem so small, you know? Yeah. And it's not looking down on people in, the, in that, in that, in uh, in that way, but it's like, it's like there is hope basically. It kind of goes from like, Oh, what am I doing? To like, there is hope by the end of the song, uh, through all these key changes, um, uh, tell me if this goes a bit long, by the way, but...
3: That's fine, I'm, I'm enjoying listening to this.
1: But with these I like t- hearing your thought processes. Well, thank you. Well, with this type of song, I feel like it's it's not enough to just kind of go, like... It's kind of about this. It's like each section is about something different, so I'll kind of, like, briefly outline what they're about. Um, so I've got to the bridge there. And taking an elbow to the ribs and putting some punk in his place, that's kind of another illustration of the mission, or, like, a confident person. Like they can take that you know yeah. emotional or physical or whatever like uh abuse battering. or battering and they're still like putting a punk in their place you know like they still have the confidence even after all that and um they tell stories and everyone listens without an interruption you know they're that type of person so it's just painting a picture of that and then uh the chorus uh one less confident line they cut me to size and laugh as i cry and that's just kind of like I felt this like the song was too abstract and not personal enough to be emotionally connective so I thought like writing about myself like like how people can cut me to size and all that sort of stuff um brings it back to a more personal space where the song is more resonant Then after that, it changes key and I talk about something completely different,
3: (laughs) which is... um, Of course, it's one of your songs.
1: Before we did this run of weekly songs, um, I mentioned to you that I had this lyric and I don't think I articulated myself properly because you were like, I don't really get what you're trying to say there. And it's about um, Cajun mayo being um, left on every spoon that a pot wash uh, puts through the, the...
3: I vaguely remember you telling me about this and I vaguely remember being confused.
1: Well, the idea is that I think there's not a point to this I'm not trying to say anything smart But like I like the idea of Up and down our country There's pot washers Up and down it And There's mayo left on every spoon Because every teenager is lazy <laughs> That's pretty much the extent of it <laughs> And so um, Spangled girls and half ass washers um, I like that line Spangled Is like I learned this from a teenager I know It's oh. teenage slang for um, Like Like On drugs basically um, so I put oh, that wow. on. Oh, wow. We're yeah.
3: learning from the youth today.
1: Yeah. And, um...
3: You say that, we're both 24.
1: <laughs> but we're not teens. We're not teens anymore. Not anymore. No. Um, let's see. Uh, and the hearers have my car. I pictured someone like you singing. I smile from ear to ear each time you rise. That's just about anyone, including you, actually, being in my car and just singing along to music because that's pretty much some of the best times that, um, that I have. That's always good. Um... And then it kind of goes to that last, um, that last sort of coda refrain thing, the wait outside until they let you in. It's kind of like saying uh, these people who are on the inside, the in crowd, you've got, they'll let you in. You know, you're outside, you're the outsider, but eventually you rise above that circle until the circle seems so small that you're kind of uh, above all that and it doesn't even matter anymore. And that's kind of the long-winded way of talking through the lyrics of this song.
3: Pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. There's a lot more thought went into yours than mine. But <laughs> I love like hearing all the sort of where each bit comes from. I can sort of hear different bits of like you were saying on oh, my I can hear like where you would want to change up production if you were to put this on an album or something. Yeah, yeah. Like a uh, very uh, I know it's cliche, but like Bohemian Rhapsody esque, like uh, just abrupt changes and going into different sections and things.
1: Yeah, it would have to be tight and tighter than I played it. I wasn't like completely pleased with that.
3: Yeah, you were saying like um, were you, when you finished it this week, you messaged me saying this is the hardest song to play that I've ever written. Yeah. Uh, which and you were saying it's all about that end bit, isn't it?
1: It is. Yeah. Because the end bit, I'm not very used to playing in octaves, um, but the end bit. I am. Yeah, you are. You got your (laughs) octaves all over your bass part this um this week, but I've got um this in the right hand, but then at the same time I've got a bass line going. Now, of course I can play it perfectly uh, I'm actually the yes, no yeah exactly um, which is playable you know that's fine um, but then the lyrics because I'm pretty much looking at the keys intently the entire time to get it played right and then I'm trying to remember the lyrics too but the lyrics kind of overlap the bar quite often so it's like I'm using three parts of my brain to play one passage and it's um, when it goes and elevate yourself to where those people seem so small small is on the one But Way Outside is also supposed to be on the one. So I've got to push back Way Outside by two beats and still have So Small on the one. And at the same time, playing those three octaves of piano. It's just really tricky. Really tricky to do. And uh, yeah. It's
3: It's kind of one of those things. Everything is really easy until you have to sing over it. And at that point, it becomes
1: impossible. That's right. So if I was to record this, I would just... I'd probably do... One octave, and then and then uh, overdub the a higher octave as an overdub. I just have to do it. You bounder, you cheat. You cared. <laughs> I, I would just have to do it because, or maybe I wouldn't because I wouldn't be singing it. But that's a whole other kettle of ball games. Indeed. Yes, um, but. Yeah, any questions about the song? I can't really think of anything else to say about it. No, I've gone into huge detail about the lyrics I and think stuff.
3: I think you've answered most questions that I have about it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that's my mine for this week. Untitled number three. It's kind of weird to have three untitleds at this point. Um,
3: Maybe you should come over titles for them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should.
1: <laughs> thing is, I was like, what do you call a song like this that's like five different songs in one?
3: You call it... Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> that
1: is a bar that we can never reach. Uh,
3: yes. We, I, can, we can try. I guess so. So that's it for this week on the Weekly Song Podcast. Cheers for hanging around and listening to us. And like we mentioned earlier in the podcast, next week we have a guest. Ooh. It is. Sam Macklin. Sammy Jonas, as he's known to people who aren't me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, That's his stage name that he goes under. But yeah, we've had him on before on the Christmas podcast, where we wrote a wonderful song about being an astronaut in space at Christmas. Yeah. Which was fun. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to seeing what he comes up with this week.
1: Yeah, and he's, um, he's got a little less time than usual to write, hasn't he? Six yeah. days?
3: Like, uh, we basically, long story short, we sprung this one on him. Uh, and we realised, oh no, we've accidentally given him six days to write instead of seven. But he's game for it. He like, We gave him options and he uh, was happy to uh, jump in and do this one for us. So, and bear in mind, last time we gave him like a couple of weeks to write a song. He did it all on the first day. Yeah. He's annoying like that. But um, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's got.
1: Yeah, me too. It's going to be good. And it was funny... Uh... Because we're basically, not to get into the technical part of the show, but we re- we're, we record on certain days. This week, because of work and commitments and all that sort of stuff, we're recording a day earlier than we normally do. And a then... day later.
3: Huh? We normally record on Sundays.
1: No, I mean, like, we've been recording on Mondays. So then next week will be a day earlier than it has been for the past few weeks.
3: Oh, right, yeah.
1: Um, so we were just like... Sorry, I'm done. Last night before the podcast, we were just like, hang on a sec, we should be writing now.
3: yeah. Like, this sat, is day one. Yeah, just sat in a car having, like, a um, Subway at McDonald's and everything, thinking, hold
1: on, you should be working. And that is right. We do eat two different types of fast food in the same car.
3: Yes. we're that extravagant. And gluttonous. This is what iTunes has done to us.
1: <laughs> yeah, those reviews have really bolstered our egos. <laughs> oh. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening. Give us a review on the iTunes store. Five stars if you like the show. Or and
3: if you don't like the show, give us five stars anyway.
1: Yeah, it helps out help the show. Uh, email the show at weeklysongpodcast at gmail.com. Send in your songs. You must have songs, right? You're listening to this. That rain sounds nice.
0: Atmospheric.
1: <laughs> we'll see you next week.
2: All right, see you next week.
1: Ta-ra. Ta-ra.